This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. In today's world, we often do things without even realizing it. We hop in our cars and we rush to the store. We shop, we browse, we touch and feel the products, but often we actually end up buying those same things we're touching and feeling online instead. Why? Luckily, RRD's president of marketing solutions, Doug Ryan, is here to answer that pressing question. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Doug discusses how the in-store customer experience is shifting toward the virtual world. Plus, he explains how something as simple as direct mail can feel so personal and the three most important things that companies can do for their customers during these unprecedented times. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends. And today we are joined by special guest, Doug, what's going on? Hey, and how you doing? I'm doing great. I am excited to chat with you about everything that's going on at RRD and your background. So first, how did you get into marketing in the first place? <laughs> well, uh, interestingly enough, um, it was uh, a little of a funny path because uh, I had no intention of going into marketing. I went into business school thinking I was going to go into finance or consulting, uh, but I stumbled into a presentation that was going on by a marketing firm and I was just sort of taken by it. It just really whole brained enterprise where you could sort of bring your creativity to bear, but also bring sort of your analytical side to, to the front as well. So uh, from that point, I was sort of smitten and have been involved in marketing in one way or another ever since. And flash forward to today, tell me a little bit for, for folks who don't know, um, what is RRD and what's the scope of your work? So RRD is a marketing and communications company that's been around for a long time, but has reinvented itself many times. Currently, we consist of two segments, one we call business services, and the other one is a group that I oversee called Marketing Solutions. And it's a group with a combined revenue of about $1.2 billion, and it consists of a combination of capabilities covering data and analytics, customer engagement, creative services, in-store marketing, and direct marketing. And so what does your team look like? What does it, what does it mean to be, to be president? There's really been uh, an evolution and a journey that we have been under. So my job here has been to try to bring these different capabilities together in a more integrated way. And uh, that's really what the marketing solutions premise is, is taking all those capabilities that I talked about and really bring them together so that we can offer the synergies of working together across those different areas. So it's sort of common to say, but um, you know, we are trying to be a part of the chain in our clients' omni-channel marketing efforts. More specifically, uh, we sort of play at the sort of executional activation level of that. So when the rubber really hits the road, uh, when you really need to get something out to somebody, when you show up in store, you need to show up in their inbox, you need to uh, show up um, on their mailbox, uh, we're the guys who make sure that it gets there. Yeah, and I, and we're going to get into a bunch of, uh, you know, the print side of this about um, all the different kind of offerings and that. But I'm curious, you know, taking a step back from that, 
Um, why'd you join the company? Why were you excited to, to be involved? Oh, great question. Uh, so was, most of my career has been on you know the agency side and most recently was uh, on the digital agency side. So previously to coming to RRD, I was the president for North America for Digitas, which is a digital marketing agency. And the real potential that I saw in RR Donley was a potentially better way to answer client's number one problem, which is, you know, how you go to market in a more, you know, unified way. And the issue I always saw was, you know, when I was uh, in the more traditional side of marketing and you sort of did a day in the life uh, with a, a, you know, a target audience, uh, it was interesting that um, when I was at the traditional agency, it followed a very traditional path. So it's like, oh, a consumer sees an ad, uh, then they go into a store. And uh, that path sort of was very happily uh, coincident with what that uh, particular agency offered. Then I got into the digital world and it was, oh, here's the typical consumer journey. Uh, they see a banner, then they go to the website, uh, you know, then they, uh, you know, go on Facebook. And it just was a little bit too convenient that uh, the journey always matched what that individual company was offering. And what I saw in RRD was really an attempt to bridge that, to really say, okay, let's look at the true journey and where these people are really connecting as human beings across both the digital and physical worlds, and how do we bring that together? So that promise and that potential is what drew me to RRD. Yeah, it's a great point. I, I think there's definitely uh, too often a, a little bit of, um, you know, backend analysis to say like, hey, yeah, we're uh, we're just we just happen to be conveniently uh, arranged at how marketing of the future is, and not so much not so much as actually being you know pragmatic and looking at at how people are buying or or how people are making buying decisions or things like that. Exactly right. Yeah, so let's talk about some of the solutions that that you all offer, um, and just broad trends in general. You know, you talk about omni-channel. Omni-channel is obviously at the heart of every marketer's strategy right now. Um, what are the types of companies that you work with, and and how are they using uh, using RRD? Well, that's the interesting thing, and another thing that attracted me to RRD because our customer base is so broad. So across RRD, we work with over ninety percent of the Fortune five hundred. And have an additional like 40,000 customers on top of that. So the breadth is really pretty incredible. Now that's across of all, all of RRD. Um, and so when we sort of look at that, uh, there's a benefit to that um, in terms of, you know, what we can see uh, in terms of client trends, sort of client needs. Uh, you know, going back to sort of my, you know, former life, you know, we were restricted to having, you know, one player per category. And when you're in that sort of environment, it's hard to really see, hey, what's going on in that particular category? Like, what are trends that we can sort of say are, are sort of ongoing? And that's one benefit of RID, that breadth of um, our client base really helps us to see, you know, what's going on across a, a far sort of bigger business environment. So we can say, okay, here's a trend that's going on in the hospitality category. That's interesting. Here's a trend that we're seeing that's, uh, you know, going on in the CPG category. That's interesting. Here's something we're seeing going on in the retail category. And I think that really helps us with clients because, um, you know, we now can give them like a broader view of what's happening in their vertical, but also can say, okay, across verticals, you know, what are things that we're seeing as sort of best practices? So that, that client base is really, I think, a key thing that gives us uh, somewhat of an advantage when it comes to really getting insights, not only for our, our clients, but actually for running our own business. Yeah. What are some of those insights that you found particularly interesting? Uh, what are some of the things that you know, you're seeing at the cutting edge? Well, I'd sort of uh, a couple of interesting things on that. Like um, 
because our breadth of our offices, uh, our offers, excuse me, um, one thing that's on that other side of the business of mine, I refer to as business services. Um, uh, one group over there is packaging. And uh, we very early uh, saw an uptick in uh, the non-traditional category of cannabis. Because um, uh, one, one of their first needs was, okay, you know, how do we, we're going to show up in a, in a proper retail environment, sort of how do we package that? And we saw the growth happening, I think, before a lot of other players saw it happening. And that was an advantage for us because it gave us some insight to say, what else could we bring to bear to a growing industry? So do they have needs somewhere else? Is there any way you know, we could be of help for these sort of businesses getting established? So it was really interesting in that particular regard is sort of like a early warning system for a new business uh, opportunity. On the more traditional side, sort of an interesting thing, you go to like our in-store marketing capability. and uh, what's really become interesting there is that that business used to be entirely driven by really a, a production management uh, mentality. So basically, how can you get the you know in-store marketing? How can, how can you get signage and other things into the stores uh, you know as quickly and efficiently as possible? And that's still, of course, very important. But uh, one thing that we've found is this, this broader sense of looking at you know the total cost and effectiveness of programs. So yeah, it's one thing to you know produce signage um, efficiently and get it out efficiently, but um, is it also showing up where it should in terms of uh, store demographics? Uh, is it really uh, something that's uh, driving traffic? Um, and that's a part of the equation now too. It's like the, the total cost of execution. You know, it's not just a production cost, but it's really uh, an efficiency of marketing. And we've been able to you know build that into our value proposition. So. That's an, uh, an area where even a very sort of traditional area, we've been able to bring some new thinking, new insights to bear. We don't talk a ton about in-store on this podcast. I'm curious, like, what is, what's going, what's going on at the, at the, uh, what innovation is happening in-store? See, that's such an interesting area. And it gets back to our earlier point, which is, um, you know, people don't talk as much about in-store, but the majority of tr- transactions are still conducted there. And certainly, uh, that environment is changing, uh, but it still remains a very critical part of the whole journey. So, uh, what we're doing in that particular area is trying to bring a digital mindset to you know what is in effect not a digital channel, but by the digital mindset, I mean, so you know, how can you be better about your targeting? How can you uh, you know be more uh, personalized? Uh, all those things that go into a great digital campaign apply to in-store as well, especially as you see the role of these stores changing. So many of the stores uh, don't just function as a place to get product, but they you know, function as a place to showcase product or to you know, create a brand experience. So that plays into it as well. So if you, if you looked um, you know, at what we did you know, even five or six years ago, and uh, you looked at what we're sending out to stores, uh, the way we tried to be targeted was by, you know, making sure that the signage or the merchandising that we sent out, you know, matched the physical uh, layout of the store. So, you know, they had the right size things from the right places. Um, but what we're looking at now is things like uh, how does the um, the customer area differ from one store to another? Uh, how does the season vary from one store to another? So if you're at um, a home improvement store, you know, springtime is like Christmas uh, for those outlets, but springtime happens, you know, at a different time in Chicago uh, than it happens in Dallas. Yeah. 
So how are we incorporating that into um, you know our in-store experience as well? So all those things have you know made it um, a more sophisticated uh, medium over time, and something where, like I sort of said from the beginning, we can take some of the benefit of uh, digital insights and sort of digital mindset and bring that to an analog world. Yeah, I'm curious because so many people are making. Um their buying decisions uh, and like their researching and stuff like th- that that happens online. And then they'll go into a physical store to look at stuff and then be on their phones in the store as well. Um, you know, looking at different things, price shopping, you know, maybe they're like, hey, I could go buy it online or something or, you know, buy it on Amazon or whatever it is, or maybe just go to buy directly from, you know, the person who creates that. Like, are you working with retailers as well or primarily with brands? Well, we work with both, but um, retailers are a, a very important part of our business. And you know, what you're saying is exactly right. So what we're you know, trying to do is bring those worlds together. So there's a group uh, that we have, you know, a database group, and we also have um, you know, an, an email uh, marketing group. And uh, exactly to your point is how do we help clients that are bridge that world? So how do we, take what is their uh, online experience and something that, you know, we may give them some direction to, we may send them an offer. Um, and if we're directing them to the store, uh, is there something we can do with what we're doing in store to, you know, be a continuation of that experience or a complement to that experience? So uh, your point is exactly right and exactly where I think our potential is, which is being able to help build the connectivity between those worlds. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, I, well, I forget who the, which episode it was. We've had a lot now at this point, but we were talking with someone who has um, built out the online business. Um, gosh, what was it? Was it Staples? Anywho, I forget. But um, and they were saying how when they built the online business, uh, essentially the the early e-commerce part of uh, of this particular retailer, that it was separate P&Ls. <laughs> right. So like right. they were being measured as a marketer on what was happening online, but not in store and vice versa, which is like wild to think about how backwards that is. Whereas now, I mean, you have so many things that happen in retail that can be experiential in store in a way that, um, you know, stuff online can't be. You take like Bass Pro Shops, for example. I mean, like, you know, they're going to be around forever because the fact is so many it's an event to go to a bass pro shops and the experience is such that there's so many people there that are smart to talk to there's so many things that are going on in the store you can use different things you can try different things you you know a lot of those products are things that are um you know you want to have a feel for so i'm curious like how do you how do you look at you know experiential marketing how do you look at things that can drive people to have more meaningful experiences in store and you know and say hey i don't care if they purchase this online i just want them to purchase well it's so interesting that you point that out because in some of the things that we're doing right now it's actually trying to take advantage of the sort of the reverse typical flow so exactly to what you're saying there's some stores like the one you cited where it is an in-store experience and I want to capture that person in a, you know, a loyalty program or something like that. So what our objective is in there is an in-store experience is actually to drive them online um, so that we can, you know, follow up on that experience. So that's a really interesting trend uh, as well as you're trying to connect these things. Um, 
and we have examples of that too. So it's, it's, you know, not just assuming that the experience started online and then you're driving to the store, but many times we're trying to see, oh, can we do, you know, back uh, the other way? So, you know, for instance, there was a program that we did uh, a couple of holidays ago where, you know, we set up the special Christmas display in store um, that, uh, you know, it was a great photo opportunity. So you could come there mm. and take this great selfie. It was terrific. But the whole point uh, was to, you know, track that, take that in-store traffic and give us a mechanism to follow up with them online. Mm. So that's a, that's a really interesting part of what you were saying is that that experiential element as it gets stronger actually becomes the driver to the online experience instead of the other way around. So what are, what are the CMOs and marketing leaders that you're working with? What are they kind of staying up late thinking about what is what are they really worried about um what are the things that they're like we need to have a strategy around this asap well uh that's interesting because it gets into what i think our core value proposition is so um maybe naturally but um you know when i talk to cmos um you know there are so many parts that go into a great uh marketing program right so it's starts with your brand positioning, you know, it gets into your, your targeting, your creative expression of that brand. So all those great things. And that's uh, vital. Like uh, you can't have, you know, a successful uh, marketing program, you know, without a clear and, and distinguished uh, brand strategy. Having said that, uh, I don't find in my conversations that that's where CMOs are having problems. Like, there's plenty of uh, resources they have either internally or externally who are great partners for developing, uh, you know, powerful positionings, you know, creative platforms, you know, uh, creative strategies, all that sort of things. And, and so we don't uh, really ma- major there. Where we major is what I kind of call the last mile of marketing, which is, okay, you have all that in place, but now how do you bring that to market in a cohesive way across all these channels? And that's the number one problem that I hear is it's really in the activation um, and, and how do you really bring that to market? And that's where we, RRDs, really shine because we really focus on that last mile of marketing. So, uh, you know, again, it's like, you know, how do you have what you're going to do show up uh, in all the kind of ways that you need to, to, you know, get a customer to consider you. And, you know, that can be an analog world. That could be what we do in direct mail and in store, or it could be in the digital world. Um, but they all have to be done in a cohesive and coordinated way. And at least from my conversations, that's the number one thing that CMOs struggle with. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, specifically, you know, talking about consumer goods and things like that, I, I tend to agree that that last mile is now so confusing um, with all of the different signals that you get digitally Um you know, you, you see the same ad for the same jacket 55 times because you, you know, looked at it once on LinkedIn. Um, and, you know, you know, their marketing person is sitting there like, I this person has looked at this ad on LinkedIn 55 times. Like, I know they want this jacket, but they're just not, they're just not ready to move. Um, and I think it's just a little different than, you know, than the days of the past where it's like, you can continually reserve over and over and over again and know that the person is clicking out or doing whatever. What are, you know, what are some of the things that from a brand perspective and like the purpose of brand um, feeds into that last mile? How do you view brand? That's a big question. You bring up the term sort of uh, brand purpose in that. And um, I'm, 
uh, have been on, gone on record as being a little bit of a brand purpose con contrarian. Um, I think it, it fits in some cases and sometimes sort of it doesn't, but I'm a big believer in obviously uh, the value of a brand. And to me, what the value of a brand is, is really being clear uh, on the value that you're bringing, both you know, tangible and emotional. And brand purpose can be a great tool for that, but it's not the only tool. And I don't think it's a required tool for every case. And I think our current times really reflect that. Um, so, you know, with the COVID crisis, I think it puts a lot of things that are always true into high relief. And I think that uh, applies here. So if you think about people who are in this sort of situation and what they're thinking about brand, um, there are some times when uh, the brand purpose is um, really an uh, important part, I think, of what people are uh, going to in these difficult times. So I, the example that comes to mind is CVS. So I think they've done a great job of incorporating brand purpose into what they do. So they're about wellness and they've you know, had these initiatives in terms of the products that they carry, in terms of um, you know, their advertising and uh, the, you know, not retouching their models that really fit that brand purpose and, in, and draw me to it. Because at a time like this, when I'm really looking for, okay, who's looking out for my health and my, and my best interests, it really suits them. And so those two things go together perfectly in that, in terms of the brand value and the brand purpose are really integrated really well and makes it me a stronger thing. But I'll, I'll say this is my personal experience. I'll go on the flip side, um, probably like all of you, uh, you know, going to the store, desperately looking for cleaning products uh, to wipe down everything. And I can't help but say I'm drawn to Clorox because Clorox has established in my mind that uh, they're all about, you know, clean of the most, you know, rigid and rigorous sort. Uh, you know, if I Clorox something, I know it's, you know, super clean. But uh, I'm not going there for, you know, that because Clorox is doing a better job uh, saving the world or is funding a charity or uh, doing anything that's uh, uh, sort of world changing in just a sort of grand way. What I'm very clear on is I have this very immediate need and a very uh, a strong desire for something I can trust to be the best uh, it can possibly be a cleaning. And Clorox has put that idea in my head. So I think that's an example where the brand is very strong. It's not really in my mind, necessarily linked to some uh, global sort of brand purpose, but still, um, you know, a very important thing in, the, in these times that I'm drawn to uh, because they've done such a good job, you know, building what that brand stands for. So to me, that's just a little bit of a distinction between brand and brand purpose. And so, you know, translating that down to us, um, I think the challenge that we try to help our clients with is um, when you're thinking about a 30-second uh, Super Bowl ad um, and a brand anthem, uh, it's pretty, um, not easy because uh, there's good and bad ones, but it's pretty clear you know, how you can help deliver what that brand means in a very sort of lofty way in that environment. Um, but there's a lot more touches that you have with um, a, your customer in a far more sort of prosaic way. So it's the things that we were sort of talking about, right? It's the the, the banners you see online, the emails that you get, uh, the direct mail pieces that you get, what you see in the store. And so we are trying to say, so how can we help you on those very, you know, those more sort of common, again, sort of last mile things to help reinforce some of that brand meaning as well. So it's not just in sort of the lofty 30 second brand anthems, but also kind of comes through, you know, even the way how we, you know, might send a, uh, uh, confirmation email to you or, uh, you know, might, uh, see us uh, on shelf. I want to talk about print 
this is, you know, and I guess beyond just print, I want to talk about direct mail specifically. So I I guess I shouldn't say print, um, but direct mail. So this is something that I think, you know, when you talk about disruption, um, is extremely ripe for disruption disruption in many ways because we're bombarded with garbage uh actual garbage um that probably uh is is hurting our planet so that's not a good thing um but the other side of this is like there's a way to do it right there's a way to do it to add value you know uh, i i always when it comes to direct mail think about the you know bed bath and beyond 20 percent coupons that Every single person in America has, uh, you know, a small <laughs> stack of, you know, somewhere hidden away and in case they need to go to Bed Bath & Beyond. There's ways to do this right and there's ways to, to, to do it not so right. Uh, I'm curious, like, where where is direct mail uh, as kind of a, for lack of a better term, industry or segment? Um, where are we at in the, in the evolution of direct mail? Yeah, great question. Um, because uh, I think direct mail is actually having a little bit of a, a renaissance, um, at least the direct mail that, that we tend to be involved with. Uh, one is just the response rates. So if I'm not mistaken, uh, direct mail has probably, I think has the highest uh, response rate of, of any medium uh, you know, out there. And so for many clients, it's become a way to break through the clutter. Uh, it comes at, additional cost, um, but in many cases and for many clients, you know, that's, that's, that's justified. But the interesting thing I think is happening is a part of that, and it gets back to what we were talking, I think a little bit before about the move to experiential, is in some ways direct mail is becoming uh, closer to an experiential channel, uh, especially sort of the high-end things uh, that we tend to do. Um, you know, it uh, can be a little bit uh, perceived as more high touch. Uh, so if there's, there's still a, you know, a, a benefit to have something in your hand uh, when well done and well constructed uh, that really makes it uh, a higher brand experience than you get uh, from you know, sort of other channels. So that's a, a trend that we've been seeing is you know, clients are experimenting with uh, different formats, um, uh, different personalizations and things like that that are really taking direct mail from you know, just a, a print ad, like you were saying, and making it a slightly more experiential uh, medium. We see a lot of, you know, letters to be opened and different sort of things. It seems like there's certain industries that have a ton of stuff that go out. Um, I mean, I think that the, the uh, popular opinion is like, you know, millennials don't care about mail or, you know, they don't read the mail or they, the entire thing feels spammy I'm curious, like, how do you do this right? Like, how, you know, are those things found, like, founded, unfounded? Like, are these, what what can companies do to innovate? Yeah, good question. It, it turns out unfounded. So, uh, millennials are actually op- open mail, at, um, direct mail at a rate that's uh, equivalent to uh, most every other group. And it's part of, I think that trade I've talked about, like, for, for all the things that you, you say that are true about bad direct mail, in terms of that seems sort of you know, spammy and those things like that, a good direct mail actually sort of stands out. And it's sort of seen as something a little bit, I think, unique uh, to that group. So when I talk about the response rates being uh, highest for direct mail, that actually goes across uh, age demographics, including millennials. 
but the but the challenge I think is exactly what you're saying though. It, you know, it's got to be delivering some value add, and also importantly to us, it's you know um, not a standalone experience. It's part of the broader integrate experience. So you know, we can bring together email and direct mail. Uh, and it turns out that different categories have different patterns in which uh, they respond to them. But generally, it's true that the most effective thing you can do is to use both. But it changes in different ways. So there's some uh, categories we see where, uh, you know, you send out an email, you say, hey, be on the lookout for something, you know, coming in the mail. And then that actually, you know, works to create some pre-interest and therefore you boost your overall resource response rate. Um, we've actually seen others where it works sort of the opposite way, where um, the direct mail sort of leads and then goes into um, uh, an email or another sort of digital experience. So it's also part of it is, again, sort of weaving those things together. But we've definitely seen the use of both generally uh, is more effective than using any sort of one individually. And that's true across those uh, different groups. So it's really almost gets down, you know, that initial premise, like, you know, we're human beings who live in both the physical and digital worlds. And the real trick, of course, is how do we bring those experiences together so they seem like they're connected? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I I still worry about, you know, even the term direct mail, you know, like it means a million different things. Um, you know, the pieces of mail that you get that look like they're a bill and then they're actually an ad or, you know, if, I mean, goodness gracious, if you refi your house, uh, my, my, like, it's just like the, the amount of garbage that you get is off the charts. And I'm just like, there has to be a better way for people to break out of the mold of like what's always been done, um, or some of the more spammy kind of methods. And the thing is, it's so difficult to unsubscribe from physical mail and pe most people don't know how to do it. So it's like, you know, as a marketer, it's a fine line. Like if you're, if you're spamming someone all the time and they can't opt out of it, like, you know, we can't do that digitally anymore. Um, and we shouldn't do it, you know, with direct mail and, uh, there's gotta be a better way. And, uh, and, you know, it's cool to see that, you know, your, your customers are, or, or your clients are working on that sort of thing, but, um, it's, uh, it's something to watch for marketers. Cause I think there's definitely a bad way to do it. Oh, well, that's, that's definitely true. Uh, unfortunately, there's a, a, a lot of bad things as marketers we can do with every medium. Um, so, you know, even uh, supposedly, you know, you can opt out on the um, digital front, but, uh, you know, often that doesn't work and just, you know, sprouts others. So the caution that you're talking about is exactly right. Um, and you know, hopefully good marketers understand that that, you know, goes against their purposes. But I think it's also important to think about, okay, you know, at its best, you know, how does this medium work? You know, instead of thinking about it as, you know, the spammy things and stuff like that, you know, think of it as like, a, you know, a thank you note that comes after you've made a purchase or, um, you know, something that uh, we can, it's truly, you know, personalized, you know, not just, you know, put your name and address on it, but uh, it comes to you uh, showing something that is based on your interests, but, um, you know, comes to life in a three-dimensional form because it's, you know, something sort of unfolds in front of you. So, uh, you know, think about a vacation destination or um, uh, sort of real estate and, you know, you get something that is uh, in your interest, but also, you know, glossily and interestingly done. Um, you know, if you think of sort of about, about sort of in that context, uh, you know, 
direct can be um, not only sort of very effective, but um, in, in the cases, you know, we're sort of talking about, but probably digital too, but uh, you're very welcome because it's, it's um, experiential. So I talked before, it's, it's based on something that again, at its best is, you know, an interest of yours and, and done in a way that um, creates a, sort of a tangible experience that can be, you know, fun or even, you know, a little bit more um, encompassing than, you know, just a, a banner or, or, or an email or, you know, an online video. So um, I think that's what, that's sort of the potential that, that we sort of pursue. Like how, how can we, you know, use it to its best effect and exactly to your point, uh, how do we keep it from turning into something that uh, makes people not, you know, want to look at it because it's just uh, an abuse. And um, that's true of, of, of every medium and director certainly part of that. You know, we're obviously dealing with, um, crazy times with, um, with COVID and, and dealing with this, you know, how marketing is done is, has changed, uh, how we organize our teams. I'm curious, like what would be some advice that you would give, uh, to marketers and business leaders about, you know, managing during a crisis? Yeah. So yeah, really challenging times we're going through. And, um, I feel like, uh, I would be as welcome to be the recipient of the advice as the giver of it. But I'll tell you what, what we've been trying to focus on and uh, what we think is going to get us through. And I think number one is uh, a heightened sense of empathy. So um, that's always true, right? You, you always do best when you have your client or your you know, customer's you know, interests foremost. But um, I think, let's be honest, we, we don't always do that as effectively as we should. Right now, it's more important than ever to really understand what our customers are going through um, and the situation that they're in. And that, I think that applies whether you're talking to a, an individual or you're talking to a, a, a company. But I think you've probably seen this too. Is, you, know, you, know, you get these things with these token opening lines that say, hey, no, it's tough times, but, and then they kind of go into something that's really unrelated and not really sort of relevant. And I think this is putting a fine point on you've really, really got to be empathizing with your customer and lead with empathy, really understand the problems that they're facing, you know, number one. Uh, number two is uh, urgency. So, uh, you know, this is creating a lot of very, very tough challenges. Um, and uh, things that can help won't be a help if it's going to take two months to deliver on them. So what we're trying to focus on with our clients is, you know, what can we do now? Um, so based on that empathy we talked before, what, what can we do urgently that can help them? And it may be a cost savings. Uh, it may be uh, a way to reach people. It may be a new idea, but it's got to be something that's going to impact now. So I think those are the first two things, empathy and urgency. And the last one I think is the hardest one is creativity. I think you may know this from your military background, but, uh, you know, stress, uh, has many benefits, right? Uh, there's the adrenaline rush, there's the focus that it brings, but, uh, the downside of it is it tends to limit your focus, right? It tends to make you a little bit tunnel vision because you're just so concerned with survival. But what we've really tried to stress is, uh, excuse the use of the word, but, uh, how do, how can we be creative in the, in, in this world? So how can we take what we've been doing what our capabilities are and repurpose them. So, uh, you know, during this conversation, we talked a lot about in-store signage and experience. Uh, one of the things that 
we've been working with and try, pivoted very quickly in is, okay, if you talk about the restaurants that we work with or the retailers that we work with, suddenly they have new rules about how people can use their space. And you know, there are places where they uh, try to direct the flow of traffic or only let in so many people at a time. So there's this sudden urgency for uh, a different kind of in-store experience that uh, helps them organize what their what their customer flow is going to be in the store. So we quickly pivoted to say, okay, how, how can we do, how can we help that? Um, so that's what we're really trying to bear. And I, I guess if there's any general advice, I think that's sort of it. It's like, how do we heighten the, the empathy? How do we heighten the urgency and how do we heighten the creativity? I love that. That's a great point. Um, and I think, you know, people are, especially marketing teams are busier than ever. Um, you know, they're getting out obviously way less. Uh, it is, you know, those sort of things really do take their toll. And we've, we've had some good content on the show, uh, about, you know, some different ways to look at it and deal with it. And, uh, and you know, it's Rome wasn't built in a day and completely shifting how your team is organized and, you know, potentially what your company is even doing is really hard. And, um, it's going to continue to be hard, but, uh, but I think, you know, yeah, if, if you, if you stick together, you know, like, like you said, and have empathy for your customers, you'll, you'll find the way through. I think that's absolutely right. All right. Let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like marketing with Salesforce, marketing trends is brought to you by Salesforce. Salesforce brings marketing engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. They've been our sponsor since the very beginning we love them and you will too. Check them out, salesforce.com slash marketing. Lightning round questions. Doug, are you ready? I think I am. Let's go. Let's go. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun? Oh, I'm ashamed to admit TikTok. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, but it's kind of like dead at the disco. But yeah, when, you, when, I, need, when I need 10 minutes uh, of uh, mind uh, aware, uh, uh, mindlessness, that's where I go. What is your favorite podcast or book that you've been reading or listening to lately? Reply All is a podcast. Uh, I think it's the Gimlet Media, but uh, just interesting about just, uh, how do I talk about it? It's uh, internet-related stories. Uh, that's my new favorite. The old standby would be This American Life. What about hidden talent or passion? Hidden talent or passion, as it applies to me, huh? <laughs> Indeed. Uh, well, I'll go to passion instead of talent. But, uh, you know, I was an engineer instead of in the, um, uh, by education. And so I never learned a foreign language. So uh, my real secret objective right now is to try to uh, pick up a foreign language. So that's why I sneak too off on the side. What is your best advice for a first-time CMO? Uh, might be trite, uh, but I'd say uh, you never get a better chance to change things than in your first hundred days. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? Who saved rock and roll? Who did save rock and roll? Everybody knows Bruce Springsteen saved rock and roll. Ian, <laughs> you should know that. If it weren't for him, we'd all be listening to disco today. There you go. Awesome. Doug, thanks so much for coming on. Any final thoughts? Any things to plug? No, I just really appreciate the time. It was good talking with you. Awesome. Great chatting with you as well. Take care. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce. 
we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.